We're going to be in Genesis chapter 42 today. And as we carry on, we're going to see more of a lighter note going on in the life of Joseph. If you were following along with us in chapter 41, we'd finally seen some of the better times in Joseph's life as he was in Egypt. As many years have gone by as he was in Egypt, the majority of his time seemed to have been spent within prison for false accusations. In chapter 41, Joseph was released from prison. And that was by God's hand. Joseph was able to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh of that time. And and not just interpret them, interpret them completely exact to what they were. Pharaoh was so impressed that he actually made, made Joseph, this young Hebrew man of all people, in charge of all of Egypt, second in command of him. Releasing him and putting him in charge of absolutely everything. And, and at that time, in that moment, the message was referred to as from prison to power. As Joseph was released from prison and put in absolute power over all of Egypt, nothing happened without Joseph's say-so. Pharaoh said, hey, you're in charge of everything. Nothing is to go by without you approving of it. I will, I will go ahead and I'll be on the throne, of course, but you get to handle all the affairs. He gave him, uh, he gave Joseph his signet ring, which was again a, a form of his identity and a form of power. He put him on a chariot and, and had him ride through the areas as people were bowing down to him. And now he's in the position of power. He was released from prison. He was given a new wife. He had two sons. And, and so Joseph is now starting to see the hand of God at work here. And we're going to start seeing the hand of work, uh, the, the hand of God at work here because we've all heard the saying that, that we live in a small world. Now granted, Joseph's brothers, they haven't seen him in many years. And they're all living in the land of Canaan, which we know as Israel, as Joseph's in Egypt, but yet they don't really know where Joseph's at. They don't know what, ha- what had happened to him. And we've all said before that what a small, small world we live in. I have heard stories where people that have not seen one another for years, whether it be relatives or maybe some friends of sorts, co-workers, run into each other in a completely different country while they were on vacation or doing something of sorts, they haven't seen each other in years. And and, and by coincidence, from what you would say is coincidence, there they are in another country running right into each other. We would call that a coincidence, but in Joseph's case, I refer to call it the hand of God at work here in perfect timing, perfect place, perfect scenario. And, And so, yes... As big as a world as it is, it is a small world on that same note because we do run into situations that way sometimes. Running into people. I have run into people that I knew in the, from where I grew up in California as I've run into them in other states and I haven't seen them in years. And yet we just happen to have been there at that place. And so I think to myself that, wow, what was the meaning of this? But you see, God here, God, God's hand was completely on this situation here. As we're going to carry on, and as we see in the next few chapters to come, we're going to see what exactly God was doing. But chapter 42 is really, again, 
is, is really quite interesting because of the circumstances of who Joseph's going to run into. Due to circumstance, due to God's hand and what he did within famines in the land. See, jo- Joseph gave Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream that, that we're going to be facing some famines over here. So what we need to do is we need to basically store up our crops here and we need to start basically putting stuff aside and, and doing these provisions and taking these measures. Because Canaan was suffering through a major famine. Egypt at the time was growing so much wheat and so on and so forth that they couldn't even handle it all. They became the supermarket of, of their neighboring countries having to provide for them because everywhere else was in such a bad famine that Egypt was actually being the provider of food for these other nations around them, especially that of Canaan. So we're going to take a look here in chapter 42 if you have a Bible and, and what this interesting scenario will will turn into now. And as I read from verses 1 to 6, it says, When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. So again, this interesting turn of events has come as Joseph now encounters the brothers that sold him off. Benjamin stayed behind as he was the youngest of them all. Uh, Joseph was the second youngest. So Joseph, he was about 17 years old when he was uh, brought to Egypt. And probably over these years, I'm sure he changed in features and, and his stature more so than his older brothers did. And, and not sure, we're not sure what age Benjamin was. But Joseph and Benjamin were the only two from Rachel who Jacob had loved. So they were full brothers compared to being half brothers. Okay, and so sending the others he realized was a risk and probably wanted to preserve Benjamin in case something happened. Jacob had no idea that his son Joseph was still alive, as well as his brothers, you know. Uh, he had no idea about his brothers, yet alone in charge of Egypt. What they were going there for was wheat, again, so wheat, which was extremely valuable then. It, it was the one thing that could be dried and stored for much longer than any other thing, uh, any, any other form of food. So God had blessed Egypt at this time with more wheat than they could handle. Okay, so God brings of all people to Egypt in front of Joseph, his brothers, who sold him out of, sold him out of jealousy and hatred. Okay, now I want to take us back to Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11, as I'm going to read that to give us an idea of how this happened if you weren't able to follow along. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 through 11, I'm going to read it. It says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. 
Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven, the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So as about twelve years went by, this, this dream of Joseph's came to life. As they were bowing down to him, as Joseph explained to them that this was in the dream. They had no idea what happened to him, where he went, what he went through, nothing. So, so as they approached him, Joseph, as I mentioned, probably changed some, but he was also in the appearance of an Egyptian. Uh, versus that uh, of what his Hebrew brothers look like uh, in both you know their dress and clothing and their appearance. Uh, thinking about the, the scene here is interesting because as Joseph was released from prison, he, he could have sent notice to his father Jacob, you know, you know now uh, now known as Israel, that I'm alive and well. In fact, you're not going to believe this, but I'm actually a ruler in Egypt. He probably he could have sent notice if he really wanted to, but for some reason he just stayed and he did his task. You know, God did the divine appointment by sending the ten who did this. Now Joseph is going to have a little fun, I suppose, as he starts to interrogate the brothers. But it was it was with a greater plan, as we will see as we carry on in verse seven here. In verses seven through seventeen, it says Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. And then he said to them, "Where do you come from?" And they said, "From the land of Canaan to buy food." So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, and said to them, You are the spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's son. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of the man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying you are spies. In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in in you or else by the life of Pharaoh surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. They said one of our brothers is no more. And that would be the one right in front of them there that's, that's, uh, that they're calling Lord. <laughs> As Joseph was in front of his brothers, he, he remembered the, the dream he had, that they would bow down to him, but he also remembered what they did to him. See, his younger brother Benjamin and him were full brothers through their mother Rachel, as the others were of Leah. And then you had a couple of others that were of, of uh, servants of Leah. There, there was bitterness because it stated that Joseph was favored from their father, Jacob. And, and it embittered the other brothers. 
See, the last vision of his brothers that he had were when he was being hauled away to the, Ishma, uh, to the Ishmaelites that sold him to the Egyptians. Why didn't he reveal himself right away is a good question. Well, again, Joseph was in the position. He was due to wisdom first, godly wisdom. Uh, you know, Second, God blessed him with administrative skill. So he was blessed with godly wisdom first, and then second, God gave him administrative skills. So we're seeing Joseph using these skills right now, asking about the brothers. He, he noticed one was missing. You know, Benjamin, being a half-brother from the different mothers, was, was easier to show division in families. So, so to make it look like they were spies and to prove that, it was, that Benjamin was okay, he put them in prison for three days. And it's interesting enough, while he was in prison, he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. And both reveal their release, uh, both would reveal their release for the, for the butler and the execution for the baker in three days. And that was some chapters back before he was released. He wanted proof to make sure Benjamin didn't receive the, fa- the same fate that he did. Why, which was wise on Joseph's part. I want to see him. Then you will be released. See, reading this shows the result on, on favoritism and jealousy and envy. And the end result lands people in hot water. And I'll always make known that praise God for His Word because these things we see can help prevent many painful things in life. But God was with Joseph this whole time uh, to prosper him as it, was, as it was in His plan to do something good for His glory, for God's glory. Joseph just got to, got to be a small part of it here. But again, it's kind of ironic that after all of these years that a famine hit the land and they're bowing down to the one man who's going to be providing for them and has say over what it is that they have. Verse 18 to 28. Then Joseph said to them, The third day, do this and live, for I fear God. If you are, not, if you are honest men... Let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your house, houses and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. When they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother for we saw the anguish of his soul when, when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore the distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them and saying, Did I not speak to you saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, be, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them uh, through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. And then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to a sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened the sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there there it was in the mouth of his sack. So he said to his brothers, My money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? (laughs) Can you imagine being Joseph? 
sitting there and, and hearing his brothers reminisce about the event and remembering the look on his face when this all happened and then Reuben the oldest jumping in on them and saying, I told you not to hurt the kid. Joseph didn't know that because Joseph, he was thrown in a pit while they were, while they were all determining his fate. He's hearing this for the first time and the emotions come out as he hides his identity. You know, his brothers had no clue that he understood everything they were saying. Now, I wonder what they thought when Joseph had the interpreter tell the brothers that he feared God. Elohim in the, in the translation of the Hebrew for God in these ancient times. It had to have shocked them. It definitely put the fear into them that he feared Elohim, the true God. He took Simeon, whose name means hearing. Uh, Simeon was definitely hearing Joseph cry out from the pit. Joseph's heart, you know, was definitely set apart as they each had sacks of wheat. But, you know, all the, all the money was given back. It, it, was, it was the form of grace, which our Lord Jesus showed the, the world as well. We know the word, right? But its meaning in Greek was unmerited favor. We know the word grace, but it means unmerited favor. To know the word does not compare to knowing the experience of grace. See, we mess up all the time. And, and to know that our Creator, our Savior, gladly picks us up off the ground when we fall. But there must be a true repentance. And the Lord knows when we're true about repenting. Because He is true about forgiving. You know, Joseph showed that heart of grace as he technically gave his brothers the food and, and their money back without even knowing it. But they were terrified that first that they you know they, they thought we're spies and now we're thieves. We're, we're paying for what we did to our brother here. Again, grace is what's being shown. They should sweat or fear because of what they did. Because God doesn't allow his people to blatant, blatantly do whatever they want. But grace he will show. For me to observe God's word and the truth in it allows us to see what was done and wrong and then to learn from it to have to have a preventative is grace as well right to, to give us a preventative of wrong is a form of grace he shared with us these things to teach us and that was graceful from the start which I've said before the reason why we have doctrine was because man fell People would say well, we have doctrine because God loves us. Absolutely. He gave us doctrine for the sake of teaching us and the, for the sake of, of keeping us from things as well. He gave us doctrine in order to, to see His hand, to see His works, to see what He's done and what He likes, what He doesn't like, His Word. We have doctrine for those reasons. And I thank God for that because when I see these things, I see how things have only changed so much. Maybe in technology quite a bit, but not so much in human demeanor. Although we do seem to be going downhill a little more. Um, but we do see that things have not changed a whole lot over thousands of years. I see why God gave us doctrine. So as we continue in the doctrine, let's continue to read 29 to 38. Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land. 
of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are, not, we are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father, and one is no more. And the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. The man, the lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your household and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. And I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in a sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. And he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. See, the brothers told Jacob that he had been killed as they took his tunic that Jacob gave him, soaked it in blood, and said that he had been devoured by an animal. So Joseph this whole time thought that he was dead. The brothers had no idea what happened to him outside of him being sold off. I look at this and I say, what an interesting household we have here. Reuben offers the life of his two sons. You know, Jacob is willing to let Simeon sit in an Egyptian prison than to let Benjamin go to Egypt. You know, Jacob, Jacob thought that all this, the calamity was on him. And that wasn't true. Why? Because you're going to have to carry uh, carry on with me in the next chapter. It's really something that Jacob didn't have the same confidence, though, that his son Joseph was in in God's provisions and love during trials. You know, we could we could take a look at the difference between the two. J- Jacob's uh, Jacob was living in in terror about his son. But yet, Joseph was the one who was really going through the trials, but yet he stayed the course with God. Joseph's situation was harder than Jacob's. But you see, their demeanors were completely different. For us at any time, at any age, the greatest gift that God could give to us is first salvation, then faith with perseverance. It's always a blessing to see that no matter how hard things are, that God's people are not affected too much about it because of the blessed hope we have in Him, now and in eternity. And too often we become attached to certain things in this world, or maybe even certain people. And those attachments can become an obsession. And from there it can become a downfall. Because it leads us away from the true things that matter, which is the Lord, and the things of heaven versus the temporary things on earth. Now, caring for our loved ones is essential to God. He gave us to have children, to care for, and and, and grandchildren as well. So we do worry when things happen to those we love, absolutely. But how much easier is it when we make the Lord our main focus in life? See, I always like to give the opportunity 
for anybody who's listening to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, as this is the only way to the Father, as the Bible says. I've repeated many times and will continue the well-known verse of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you see, that is the greatest assurance we can have in life is through him that we have eternal life through. See, while we're here on earth, as I've mentioned before, we will never really truly know perfection. But we can always experience grace. We will worry. We will, we will be scared. We will deal with things according to how we always have at times until we've learned to put our focus and our faith on God. And, and again, the appreciation and the role models of those in the Bible, such as those like Joseph, who went through some of the most horrible of turmoil, still showed the utmost of faith. I love in the previous chapters while he was in prison. And one morning when he woke up, he went out to the imprisoned butler and the baker of, of Pharaoh. And he walked in there and he saw that they were looking down and glum that day. And he said to them, what, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Here's Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers. Sold off. And here's Joseph who, who was put in charge of, of uh, Potiphar, the, the general of Egypt. He was put in charge of his household through favor. And then he was accused of rape through Potiphar's wife who tried to take advantage of him. And Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. And yet one morning he wakes up and asks, what is wrong with you guys? When he sees the down look on their face. Me, myself, I am absolutely astonished by his, by his faith and demeanor. You know, may God help us to, to be more like that as we, as we grow in Him. And, and I have to say that the only reason that could be done is because He is living in Joseph and walking with God as Joseph walks with God. God lives in him, they walk together, and He grows in him. And what's amazing is, is this is in the beginning of Gen- or this is the end of Genesis. This was in the earlier stages of life. There was no doctrine. Joseph didn't have doctrine to go off of. He had strictly relationship. So our advantage today is that we have doctrine and we have relationship. But how close are we to God as Joseph was, is the question. So I I encourage us, if you're listening... To first and foremost, if you've not received the Lord, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would first receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And then from there, we travel through the Word together, growing and walking with Him. You know, you really get to know someone when you walk places with them. And when we're walking with God... And we're walking through His Word and we're spending time in prayer and in fellowship. 
I can attest to the things that I missed out on over the years that I'm now taking advantage of that I wish I could have done a long time ago. I wish I were stronger then, but God had His time. But maybe the time for you is now. I want to invite you, if you feel led, to say this prayer with me, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior and bringing Him into a relationship with you for your eternal existence in heaven. If you feel led, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, that you would come into my heart, Lord. And Father, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for having me, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross for me and my sins. And when my time is up, Lord, may I be in your presence. As I love you, I praise you. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you continue to follow along because it does get better. And who would think that it could ever get better? But it really does. So I want to invite you to carry on as we, as we look at God's story here and who He uses and how He uses people. And may you see how you will be used one day. So I pray that you will continue on. May you walk closely with our Lord. In Jesus' name, may God bless you.